us back. I didn't scare too many people off last week, and hopefully there's enough interest for you to keep learning with me. I keep learning all the time. I'm just a perpetual student. I could be a professional student. If someone would like to pay me to go to college all the time, I'd go to college all the time, learn what I could. But it's good to be back here with you, and uh, it was good to be a part of your worship service this morning. I continue to appreciate Jody's lessons and the worship experience with you. As we said last time, we have a lot of, uh, since I've been here 30 years, have a lot of history with so many of you already. It just feels like familiar faces that we'll have from the, uh, until we leave this place. Whenever this earth is gone, we'll, we'll see you later, okay, and we'll meet back up there, but... Just appreciate the history I had with so many and will continue to have with you as we continue to journey in this area here. We're talking about Christianity and mental health. And uh, particularly the two that are the most familiar and the most common are depression and anxiety. And I'd like to go back to the verse that we started with just to kind of get us back on board. And that would be over in the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you want to turn over there, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse uh, 23 is Paul writes, inspired by God, ending the letter to these people, but it echoes down to us as God's peoples today. 523, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who calls you is faithful And he will do it. We started with that verse because it introduces us to this complex mixture that God has made us with mind, body, and spirit. And those are so intertwined with each other that uh, people are still um, amazed at the complexity. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And scientists are still discovering how marvelous uh, this complexity is of the mind and the body and the spirit together. So with that, we are looking at how the mental part of us interconnects with the physical and the spiritual and vice versa. What goes in one area of our life tends to affect the other areas of our life. And because we have these mental health issues, From God's perspective, we want to understand them and then know what to do about them that can manage them, understand them, let our emotions be a part of our existence for it's God who gave us those emotions and they're not bad just in themselves. It's what we understand they do for us and then how we manage them, how we live this life. And so all of us are going to experience some depression and anxiety at some point in time. We talked last time about what causes anxiety. We went over uh, the three factors of the biological, what it is that may be going on with a person biologically that has to do with the feelings of depression. It is not a virus. It's not a disease. It's not something you catch like you would a cold or pneumonia or something. It is really a collection of symptoms that are identified and according to the number of symptoms a person has and the degree to which they're experiencing them, then we might could put them in a disorder as listed in the big psychological catalog that the American Association of 
American Psychological Association has put together called the DSM-5, which is a diagnostic category labeling all the mental illnesses, and it's a great big book. Don't worry, you don't get very many of them. But uh, when you do get them, the two that are most treatable are depression and anxiety. But these combinations of symptoms that you might have might fit into feelings of helplessness and hopelessness, feelings of sadness and despair, feeling overly discouraged, overwhelmed, feeling resentful, irritable, frustrated, just sense of losing interest in life where your thinking is maybe more negative than it used to be and the outlook on life is overly critical you're overcritical of yourself and others, maybe feelings of inferiority. And it might be there are physical symptoms associated with these feelings of a change in a sleep pattern where you're losing sleep, can't sleep very well, or you're sleeping more than you used to. Anything that's a deviation from your pattern, if you're looking at the physical symptoms, sleep would be one of them. Appetite is another physical symptom person is eating less, losing their appetite, but it could be the flip side of that. Sometimes people eat more when they're depressed, trying to deal with some uncomfortable feelings and trying to do that through feelings of food or some people turn to drugs or alcohol. And so it can get into some physical symptoms pretty quick. Now, depending on the number of the symptoms and the degree of the severity and how long a person has been experiencing these symptoms, would, choose, would be the, the criteria for what we would put a label on like depression. And for it to be a mental illness, a depression, a person has to have a number of these symptoms. They have to be going on almost every day for at least a two-week period. And that's a deviation from their previous experiences. And it has to involve a sense of hopelessness and a losing of interest in life. Now, again, even though we might put a label on it, and I told you last time, I don't like labels. I I, I just deal with symptoms, okay? Uh, Labels can get in the way of a lot of different things, and you are not what you currently experience. If you have a head cold, we wouldn't say you're a cold. No, you're a person that has a cold, okay? In the same way, if you have depression, you're not depression. You're a person that is experiencing depression, but it does not define you. It is a condition that you have. But if you have this condition for a two-week period and it just kind of stays and lingers, then it might fit under that medical condition. But even then, we have depressive episode, mild, moderate, severe, And I'm not going to bore you with all the different categories, but it depends on the person as to how you're experiencing sometimes and how we treat it. Everybody gets depressed because life is tough. And it's a normal part of some of the experiences, and I think it's God's way of of allowing our emotions to process to adjust to different life issues. We talked about grief last time a little bit. And when a person is grieving, they're making a mental adjustment to a significant loss. And that grief is an emotion, but that grief includes sometimes a period of depression. That's normal. You can't go around it. You have to go through it. But most people, I say most, I'm not sure what most means anymore, 
but the idea is that many people kind of seem to find their way through it and just through a fellowship with the church or family support whatever they find their way through it they don't get stuck with it other people may get a little bit stuck with it and it lingers and they can't finally find their way through and might need a little additional help but depression is something all of us feel at different times in life for different reasons so there are those life experiences there are those family uh, environments we grow up in I'm not going to go back through all the causes, but just want to remind you there are a variety of combinations that can combine to trigger this experience, these multiple symptoms that last for a period of time and have a certain dynamic to them. They get in your way. You're not moving. You're not growing. You're kind of stale and stagnant. But if these things don't improve, then there are things that we know can help. There are things that we can do to manage this depression. That's what we want to spend our time on today. Kind of defined it last time, what it is, how we define it. But who gets it? Everybody. There are certain age groups that might get a little more. We did mention last week that adolescence seems to be the most uh, rapidly growing age group that depression seems to be affecting. But regardless of who you are, there are ways to manage it. So we're going to kind of come back to that verse it reminds us that we are a, a triune being. We have a body. We have a mind. We have a soul. And so in treating it, we're going to do it holistically. That's the best way to treat any kind of mental health issue, if not most physical health issues. Because we're finding that many of the physical health issues that people have are because of emotional difficulties. The way you feel affects your body. And how you feel and how you physically feel can sometimes affect you spiritually. So kind of taking them one at a time, we're going to address the physical stuff first. And so my recommendation is if you're going through some depression and it's difficult, you're not getting by, is to get a good physical exam. Go to your doctor. Check out the things that could be causing that that might have a biological root. We talked about endocrine glands, hormones. There can be certain deficiencies in vitamins or minerals. There can be other things that maybe the doctor can eliminate or identify that would help with the symptoms of depression. Don't rule out going to the doctor and getting a good physical checkup. This body, according to 1 Corinthians 6.19, which you already know, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to take care of this physical body. Just like Jody's not going to eat ice cream at 8 o'clock anymore. He's trying to take better care of that physical body. And I started before Jody, by the way, and I've lost four pounds since the first of the year. And I'm sure you can tell. Getting turned. No, I don't know. But we all can do that. And so when, even when you go to the doctor, we hear the same things. But it's not what we know. It's what we put into practice. It really works. So we go back to the diet. What are you eating? And those who specialize in treating depression, anxiety issues, will kind of go back and remind us. Let's look at what you're eating. 
and we go back to getting rid of those stimulants that kind of are part of many people's lives. Too much caffeine, nicotine, if you use tobacco. All kinds of things can be going on in your diet that can affect how you feel emotionally. And so we pay attention to the diet. We pay attention to how much sleep you're getting. I said one of the most normal symptoms of depression is some kind of sleep disturbance. How's your sleeping going? Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not going to pretend to be. I try to keep, on, uh, keep up with a lot of stuff, but I let the medical stuff stay with the doctors. You get your advice from them, but I do know some resources, and I will, at the end of this series, have a, a list of resources for you to look at if there's more digging in you want to do to know about things. But there is a book, a recent book called The Sleep Solution by Dr. Chris Winter. The Sleep Solution, Chris Winter. It is purely a scientific, medical kind of book, but it's meant for common people like me and you to understand as to what is sleep and why, why do we need it? What, what do we need to know about sleep and what do we need to do to improve our sleep? And the idea is that uh, adolescents need 8 to 10 hours, so they say, a day. Uh, young adults, it co- starts coming down to 7 to 9. Older people, 7 to 8. But, of course, there are variations. Don't buy in always to the general rules that seem to say everybody's got to do this. No, everybody's is a little bit different. But you pay attention to yours, and there's things you can learn to begin You get your pattern of sleep and quality of sleep because it's not just the amount of sleep. It's the stages of sleep. And the best restful state of sleep is what we would call REM sleep. That's where you dream. And if you're not getting that, you're not getting the kind of restful, rejuvenating kind of sleep that you need. But, again, I'll just say diet, rest, and then, of course, exercise. Exercise increases the flow to the brain, the blood flow to the brain. It also increases serotonin, which is the neurotransmitter that helps your brain work effectively, moderates some moods and your thinking processes, God has allowed us to learn a lot about how this marvelous brain works. And so with exercise, you have to do some things to get to feeling better. And so sometimes we have to start with what people say, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, then you're not going to get better. Okay, Why are you here? <laughs> okay, so we have to kind of get some things going. And we usually start with the physical aspect. And the recommendations are to really get your brain up to optimal functioning and feeling good and managing those moods is you need to get 30 to 40 minutes of aerobic exercise five times a week. Yeah, and and when we say aerobic exercise, I, I, I have a membership at a club and I have an indoor track that I walk around and I see a lot of people just kind of this is their exercise every day. And they're, they're talking and maybe drinking a cup of coffee as they go. <laughs> yeah. Well, they tease me because what I've learned, and I'll, I'll quote one of them here in a little bit, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Daniel Amen is one of the internationally respected brain researchers, medical doctor. He also happens to be a Christian believer. 
but he has written and has a lot of specials on public television. Uh, he says, when you exercise, don't just go for a walk. Walk like you're late to a meeting. Brisk. You want to get that heart rate up. You want to get that blood flowing. You want to get the serotonin moving. And you want to break a sweat. So here I am, and some people don't know I'm older than they are, but I pass them up. And they kind of go, hey, what's the hurry? You know, I said, well, this old man's got to get his heart up, you know, so that's good. So walk like you're in a hurry. Get the blood flowing. If you don't like to walk, find an exercise that you will do. But optimum health, mental health, physical health has to do with taking care of this physical body as well. Well, we're going to move on here to how, we, how do we manage these things. That's the biological. We're going to manage it with diet, rest, exercise, taking good care. But we're also going to look at the psychological side of ourselves, the mind, the will, the emotions. And the first thing that I think is important when a person comes and we identify maybe depression or anxiety as what we're going to be working on is to educate them, help them get good, accurate information about what is depression. And the more you understand, the less you're afraid of it because it's not something just out there you kind of begin to see okay this happens and this is why it's okay so there's a reason I feel this way but not only that but we want to give people hope that they can manage that this is not what you're going to be the rest of your life I think I shared with you uh, personally that I've been to through two episodes of major depression in my lifetime and uh, certainly at the worst parts of those there is this feeling that, man, if I, if I have to feel like this the rest of my life, I'm ready to go to heaven. And because your thinking is so clouded and negative, you begin to imagine all the worst-case scenarios that are possible. Oh, not going to be able to function they're probably going to have to put me in a psychiatric hospital the rest of my life. Uh, it's when my mom was still living. I'll probably have to go live with my mother, and that'll be embarrassing for Mary. I have to go live with my mom. And, you know, all this. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and call it what it is. It's stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. It's not true, but it is a negative mindset, and we'll talk about that as far as the psychological, too. But you get to a place where you just kind of say, man, if I feel this way forever, I don't know. Now, I never had any thoughts of doing harm to myself, but some people do. And that's when we really need to pay attention because those people really do need some encouragement, support, and some treatment. Okay. But let's go back to that for just a minute because I, I want to kind of go back to the medical part of this too. If a person is really seriously in depression, medication has to be considered as an option. And there's a lot of debate, a lot of ideas. And, and so I'm going to just kind of defer to Dr. Daniel Amen in his book called Healing Anxiety and Depression. And uh, it's kind of a technical book up front because he identifies what he calls seven types of depression and anxiety. But then later in the book, he talks about what do you do to manage it? What helps it get better? 
And so talking about the biological aspect, he, he wants to begin by saying, as far as medication goes, medication is an emotionally loaded issue for many people. Yeah. I have a lot of people that maybe need medication. And oh, I don't want to do that. I say, well, no, because well, I read on YouTube or, you know, Google said this. Well, uh, YouTube, Google is not your doctor, okay? I've read a lot of things on YouTube and Google that, you know, don't always trust what you read on your own to be legitimate and accurate. Get good, accurate information. That's why I'm saying the first thing is to get good, accurate information, get educated on what the situation is and what helps to get better. Medication may be valid, but medication is an emotionally loaded issue for a lot of people. And he says there's a lot of controversy in this area. After doing brain imaging work for the past 13 years, it is clear that medication can be very helpful for Many patients, and withholding it from some patients is downright neglectful. Medication is one of the best studied and one of the most effective treatments for anxiety and depressive disorders. However, medication by itself is generally bad treatment and can make some people worse. For, unfortunately, most people neglect the psychological and the social aspects of anxiety and depression and take medication only. His theory is that medication is good when used appropriately, but just using medication without addressing the other issues that contribute to is bad medicine. That's why I have a lot, some doctors here in town, they're treating patients for that, and they'll say, in addition to this, I want you to go get some counseling, and here's the name of a counselor or a list of counselors, and we want that to be a part of the treatment here. But now we're on the biological with the medicine. Let's talk about supplements for a minute. I'm not an expert, but I think somebody is, okay? And here's what Dr. Amon says about supplements. Even more controversial than medication is using natural supplements for anxiety and depressive disorders. There's conflicting research behind using supplements with anxiety and depressive disorders, but what there is indicates that some supplements can be useful for mild to moderate conditions. Our clinical experience has shown that supplements can be helpful when used, and here's the key word, in a thoughtful way. Our worry, he says, is that people spend billions of dollars on these treatments in little regard to effectiveness or side effects. Because supplements are natural, people think of them as innocuous, which isn't true in our experience. While we are not opposed to natural supplements, we often recommend them. We are opposed to a person treat, being treated ineffectively. And I like these words. A rational, balanced approach to both medication and supplement treatment is needed. So, with those as a part of the biological things, we're addressing the psychological things. And so, we start with that education of helping a person know what it is and maybe what's contributed to theirs. And one of the big parts is correcting a person's automatic thinking. 
We all have the ability to think all the time. You're thinking while I'm speaking. You're having a conversation with yourself while you're listening to me. That's the way God made us. That's what separates us from the dogs and the cats and the cows and the horses. And We think. We process information. And because of that, we have automatic thinking that occurs. But some of the automatic thinking we have is negative. That's when we get into that habit of negative cycling, negative interpretation of things. And, and so the rehearsing of those negative thoughts or just kind of paying attention to them is what can contribute to a person's depression. All you think about is negative. All you think about is negative, And it's just kind of like you're in a rut. You can't get out. Well, knowing that, there is a process we call cognitive therapy, which is treatment for thoughts. And we introduced uh, people to the idea that everyone has automatic thoughts. But a lot of your thoughts that are negative thoughts, don't believe them. A lot of people, when they have automatic things, they say, well, because it showed up in my head, it must be true. No, okay. Just because it shows up means it's an interesting thought. Now, whether it's true or not, you need to give a little thought to And so we have identified what we call negative patterns of thinking. Dr. Amon does a good job in his book, and he talks about automatic negative thoughts as being ANTS. The acronym automatic negative thoughts, A-N-T-S, ANTS. You're having an ANT attack in your brain when you have these automatic negative thoughts. You're these automatic... And so he, he identifies what he will call the different categories of ants, and there are nine of them. I won't bore you with all nine, but you just recognize that there are negative patterns of thinking we might call overgeneralization. Something happens once, and then a person begins to believe, well, it happened that time, it's going to happen next time, and it'll never get better. Some people he might call uh, denying the positives, that there's a lot of positives going on in everybody's life, but a lot of people ignore those and just pay attention to the negatives. So that's another pattern. Well, you can look at the nine patterns if you want to and kind of see which one, but the idea is now is educating people, you can train your thoughts to go in a different direction. Again, this marvelous brain God has made. What, what allows us to think and process are, are these nerve endings that we call dendrites, and they, they have these little fingers. And did you know nerves in, in the brain don't touch each other? There's a space in between them. And the space in between them, uh, there are neurochemicals in that little space that transfer an electrical impulse from one nerve ending to another nerve ending. And what we are, are thinking in, the, in the, what they're discovering is that these neurochemicals like serotonin, dopamine, and there, there's a bunch of them, but I won't bore you with that either. But, but if there is a lack or an imbalance of those neurochemicals in between those brain uh, connections, that can cause symptoms of anxiety and depression too. 
And that's what the medications are trying to address, getting those in a little bit better so a person can think a little bit better. But if there is a negative pattern of thinking, it's as if these neural pathways in your brain have been firing so often, you've been rehearsing this thing so often, you have literally formed a neural pathway in your brain that's almost automatic. It's like riding a bicycle in the mud. You have now made a rut, and even though the water cops, you're still in a rut. And you're just going down that pathway. There has to be some way, an effort for us to get out of the rut. Now, if you remember as a kid, if you were in a rut with a bicycle, was it easy to get out of that rut? Well, it depends on how deep it was, (laughs) okay? But you remember, to get out of it, you really had to push hard to get over the edge of that rut so you could get over to smooth ground. Same thing mentally. Sometimes you have to learn to push hard against these negative thoughts and replace them with more positive, accurate thoughts and practice, practice, practice. In the beginning, it may be very hard, but you push against those pathways that have been firing and you start creating new ones. And guess what? The more you travel down this new neural pathway, you get out of the old one and you make a new one where you're thinking more positively, more appropriately, more accurately, more helpful. And so that's a part of what we look at. And then we look at also what are the life stressors that are going on. Has this person been through a loss? Are there some relationship issues? Is there some past abuse? Are there some lifestyle issues? And as we look at those, we look at breaking them down. A lot of people will come with a big basket of life troubles no wonder they're depressed. And you look at the basket, and sometimes I'll tell people, man, you just talking about it kind of makes me feel bad. But I know that when you carry a big basket like that, whew, it gets heavy. And the problem we see is that people just see the basket. They just see this big conglomeration of stuff. So my job is to help them sort out what's in the basket. And so we look at what's in the basket. We say, oh, okay, there's some stuff going on, maybe physically. Here's some things that, yeah, we got that negative thinking going on. Gee, yeah, you say your mom died and then your dad died. Oh, then there was some abuse in your family too. And so we just kind of put them out here. And we say, okay, there's what's in the basket. Now, we can't fix them all at once. So which one of these do you feel like is imposing itself on you that we need to work on first to get things moving better. Sometimes I say, well, I don't know. I say, well, let's look at it together. I say, I don't have all the answers, but I think we can find some together. And we identify what's the life issue, what's the physical issue, what's the past issue. And we narrow one down. So we say, okay, we're going to work on this. And we're going to work on that for a while until you see things in that area of your life getting better. And then we move over to this one. Huh. Well, since this one got better, guess what you're thinking? Maybe it can get better too. Now what's happening? People are having a little hope. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope's what keeps us going. That it can get better. 
And so once you kind of deal with that one, you help them get over here and we work on that one, that one gets better. Now there's a serendipity effect that begins to happen because this got better and this get better. Ooh, it kind of spills over into these and they all kind of start getting better until the person can kind of see the depression lift. Oh, yeah, this is better. Good, great. Calm the anxiety, lift the depression, get better. Now, how long does it take for these things to get better? Well, it depends on the person, what's involved in their depression. There's a lot of things, but people need to identify, prioritize, separate, build a plan, follow through with a plan to resolve the things that have created the depression. And then, of course, we want them to learn good self-care skills. And so we might teach them some relaxation and calming skills because we all live in a world where we tend to be running at 100 miles an hour. And because we haven't slowed down, that can create some problems. What do we do with that? Well, we, we teach some relaxation skills. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tie this into the spiritual side. We talked about the body and the, and the psychological. Now we're getting over into the spiritual side a little bit. Because there is that verse in Scripture you're familiar with that God says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, you're all being still. Some of you are getting a little too still. Okay. But you're still right now. But when's the last time you really, really got quiet and still and just meditated on who God is and his love for you, his qualities, his presence with you, his promises to you? And that's what I believe God is saying as a part of that, be still and know that I am God. People are running too fast. We've got caught up in this society that wants us to, you know, there's this false idea that busy is better. Or taking time out to rest or to meditate or to go do some recreation is being lazy. Baloney. Did you know that God made us to have to have rest? Creation took how long? Six days. What happened on the seventh? God rested. Darn, God needs rest? Yeah. Not because he is God. I think what, what he's doing is just setting us up, say, okay, I made you in my image. Well, part of what I want you to know is that, yeah, I made you to be able to do work and be creative and make the world a better place. But there's a time when you need to stop and you need to just refresh, relax. The word recreate comes from the word recreate, where you do something that just gives your mind, body, spirit a chance to just be still and regenerate and the best way to do that is through meditation now meditation is not something that we in the churches of Christ at least in my, my history have done much with and, and I'm going to try to invite it back 
Yeah, I'll go ahead and tell you. One of the things that I think that God is inviting me to do as I get closer to the end of my career, my lifetime, is to say, what, what can you do with everything that I've allowed you to experience or to think about or to know and to whatever? So what, do you, what are you going to leave behind, Ed? What are you going to leave behind besides, hopefully, a good reputation, some integrity, you know, those kinds of things? Well, one of the things that I think God has invited me to do is to coach people, train people, give people an experience of what meditation is. And so I've put together some scripts and even recorded some that we're, we're going to make available to my clients and anybody who wants them. But the idea of just inviting you into an experience of meditation. It's basically just quieting yourself, quieting your mind, quieting your body, quieting your spirit. And just staying in the moment and inviting God into that moment. And maybe to focus on some scripture. Take 23rd Psalms. And in that quietness, you allow the presence of God and the words of God to just embrace you. The Lord is my shepherd. And so you think on that process. God is my shepherd. And you just kind of let that sink in. You let it sink in deep because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates down to the deepest parts of our being. It's what the scriptures say. But because we're maybe not practicing meditation and experiencing the power of God at that level in our life, maybe we're missing something. I think we are. And so we teach people meditation, relaxation. We teach people to develop their spiritual life, their prayer life. By the way, prayer life is pretty much a part of meditation too, but we can take it to a little different place with meditation. But I want you to know that Part of getting healthy mentally is paying attention to your relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? I believe that there is a what I'm going to call a spiritual restlessness that comes from our own sinfulness, which only can be restored by making peace with God. And the only way to make peace with God is through understanding and owning our own sinful self and recognizing that Jesus Christ has already paid the penalty for our sins and forgiveness is offered to everyone who will receive the gift of peace and believing that Jesus is the son of God that God has accepted his death penalty on our behalf anyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord and is buried with him in baptism, resurrected to live with him a new life, receives the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we are born into God's family and now to have relationship with him, be at peace with him, where we learn from him, we live for him, we are transformed by him to walk in a newness of life. And when we do that, 
depression lifts and anxiety calms and peace will settle in. Romans 5, we'll close with this. Romans 5 talks a little bit about that. Romans 5, starting with about verse 1. I'm just going to read the first five verses here. Depression is not being at peace. Anxiety is not at peace either. What we're looking for is how to do what God says. He says, I want you to live at peace. Over and over, Jesus says, I came to bring you peace. I give you my peace, my peace I live with you. Over and over, he says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. And if we can get a hold of that, then that takes care of anxiety and depression for the most part. But here's what Romans 5 says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand, and we boast in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering will produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope will not put us into shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we have to look at what's going on in the spiritual life of a person, too. Now, at some point in time, maybe, (laughs) we might have a few minutes for some questions and stuff. I'd like to know, you know, what else I could bring in or uh, clarify anything. Don't have that this morning. I'll try to shorten up next time because anxiety and depression are kind of similar so we might can move through that one a little quicker. But next time we'll talk about anxiety and what makes it a little bit unique. And then the last session, what we can do to manage the anxiety part of this. So thanks for being here. Let me close this with a quick prayer. Our Father, we just thank you for this time. Pray that the things that you would have us to know and learn that would benefit everyone that's here um, has come from you and your word, your truth what you're allowing us to know about how complex you've made us, but also so thankful for the things that you've allowed us to learn that can we manage uh, our mental health better. So I pray that uh, you'll just let everybody take home whatever part they need and they would uh, put it into to practice and you would be with them as they pursue these things to make their life more what you would want it to be. So be with us now through the day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.